How y'all doing? That's good. Uh, yes, um, as Alex said, I am Jeff Godfrey. Yep, that's me. Um, I'm really glad to be here tonight with all of you. Um, not so much right here, but right here is one of my just favorite places to be, and I just, I just love coming together with everyone and getting to grow together in the Lord. Um, it has been two weeks since the last time we met, and if you remember, uh, we were in a sermon series about the life of Joseph, and uh, Charles ended that, and uh, it was about six weeks long. It felt a lot longer um, because there were so many breaks, and we had guest speakers, so it was like 10 weeks long or something like that. It felt like a long time, um, but that ended last week, and we know how much you love sermon series, so we are going to start another sermon series. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll also be on an Old Testament character, um, and it'll be, it'll be, last one, like I said, was six weeks, felt like 12. Um, this one will be a lot shorter. It'll be one week long. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, jokes. Um, if you know me, you know I love jokes, um, and that's what that was. Um, yes, um, yeah, we're speaking, um, tonight I'll be speaking about David. And nobody else will speak about him afterwards, at least this semester. Um, so yes, a lot of us know David. A lot of us know the name of David. And personally, I, I really enjoy his story. And he's actually the person that's mentioned second most in the Bible. Does anybody know who the first is? Jesus. Yes, Jesus is always the answer. Um, yes, he's mentioned second most after Jesus. He's actually mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, so yeah, we're just going to read, uh, we're just going to read the beginning of his story, um, and it's in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to be starting in verse 10. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. That's, thanks, not what I was waiting for. But yeah, <laughs> That, that's just so crazy to me. This is the first time we, we see mention of David in the whole Bible. And what's the first thing that happens to David? He's anointed to be the king of Israel. What, what a way to start off a story, am I right? Like, you know it's going to be, it's either going to be an incredibly cool story about how this guy 
just did so many amazing things in his life, or it's probably going to be about how this guy was destined for greatness and then just kind of fell off. But do you want to know how my story starts? Yeah? Cool. Thanks. One person. Uh, yes, I was born in a small town called Buckcannon, West Virginia. Shout out to Elias. There he is. He's also from there. Yeah. Um, I weighed nine pounds. Uh, I know. <laughs> and then, um, as I'm preparing to leave the hospital, my mom, uh, she put a shirt on me that says football. And then, huh? And then I proceeded to really love baseball for the rest of my life. But I, yeah, baseball is better than football. Amen. Anyway, um, I actually told her this story. I told her this story a little, like a few days ago as I was preparing. And she said, how was I supposed to know? Which is a good question because babies don't really have a preference. And if they do, they don't really say anything. Um, so, yeah, my, my story is very less dramatic um, than David started out. But what happens next in David's story is personally my favorite part of his story. His, story, his whole story is really good, but what happens next, I just really enjoy. And what, what does David do right after he is anointed king? Well, the Bible tells us, so let's look to it. Um, it's the same chapter, but it's in verse 19. And it says, Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. David is anointed to be the king, and then the very next thing that he does is he goes right back to the fields that he was in just beforehand, and he continues to work with the sheep. He knew that he was to be in the field with the sheep during this time of his life, and how do we know that he knew this? Well, there's two reasons. First is that there was already a king reigning over Israel. His name is Saul, um, and his story is a little bit different than David's. They're intertwined. Um, it's also a good story, but I won't be speaking much about him. But he, one thing that's important to understand is that he is also anointed by the Lord to be the king of Israel. And also, another reason David knows that he shouldn't be the king is because he's 15 years old. Um, not the best time, or eight. Um, people don't really agree on how old he was. But he was too young to be a king. So he knows that it is his time to be with the sheep. And I've kind of noticed that God really loves his metaphors about sheep. Um, and... Whenever I first became a Christian, this is kind of a side note, um, but whenever I first became a Christian, um, I was listening to a sermon, and it was about how we are God's sheep and how he is the good shepherd. And then the guy goes on and he says, well, he said he was talking to a farmer and he asked the guy, what's, like, if there's one thing to know about sheep, what, like, what would you say that is? He goes, well, if there's one thing I've learned about sheep, it's that sheep are dumb. And I was like, amen, yes, I'm stupid, and oh, gosh, that, that man was right. Um, but yeah, we're stupid a lot of times, and that's why we have a shepherd, to tell us where to go. 
Um, but I want to skip ahead a little bit um, and talk about a character in the New Testament. Who is Jesus Christ, the first um, person the Bible talks about the most? And if we look at the birth of Jesus Christ, and if we look at just the things that were spoken about him, we know that from the moment he was born, he was destined to become a sacrifice that was sufficient for the atonement of our sins. From the moment he stepped foot on this earth, he was to be the reconciliation between us and God. And there were many prophecies spoken about Jesus that he fulfilled whenever he was born, um, just about that he would come from the line of David, where he, would, where he would be born, and other things to prove that this is the Messiah. But there are also many things that, he, that were prophesied about him that he had to f- fulfill in a later part of his life, such as um, miracles and, you know, healing the sick and just, you know, feeding the 5,000, all of these things, many of these things, he did not fulfill at his birth. And it's obvious that he didn't fulfill these at his birth because little baby Jesus is not the one who died on the cross. And little baby Jesus is not the one who was resurrected three days later. We see a fully grown Jesus of at least 30 years doing these things. And before Jesus started his ministry, we see that he worked as a carpenter. Jesus Christ, before he started his ministry, made furniture. And like looking back on it and like truly thinking about it, it's so crazy to me that the savior of the world made a chair or made a table. Such an insignificant thing, such a small task. God incarnate spent years working as a carpenter which is like, I think that's crazy. But in both of these stories, in David's story and in Jesus' story, we see that both men would go on to do great things in their lives. The Savior of the world, that's a a pretty big deal. Jesus is probably the most important figure in human history. The future king of God's chosen people, the future king of Israel, this is not a small position to take up. And we also see that there's a point in their lives where they are still waiting to fulfill something that has been spoken over them or prophesied about them. Being a carpenter and tending to the sheep were not the end of either story. Jesus didn't die making tables. David did not spend the the end of his life being a shepherd and tending sheep. And I believe that the majority of of the people in this room are in a similar stage to David and Jesus. And I think the sheep look a little bit differently today. Um, I don't believe that anybody is actually um, a shepherd. Anybody? I know, I know that Frankie has his bees. Where's Frankie at? But there he is. Yeah, but nobody, I don't believe that anybody is actually tending sheep. So, the majority of you in this room are college students, right? Right? Yeah, okay, cool. Making sure I'm at the right place. Um, Yes, 
the majority of you are college students. And you may love college, and you may love your friends, and you may love your environment, but I doubt that this, being a college student, is what you want to do for the rest of your life. I, I doubt that you want to always be an undergrad and never, and never progress in your, in your field of study. And with this, I see that there is this striving for the next thing, this striving for the next position in our lives. And the current, because of this, is never envied. And it's almost diminished to where it becomes pointless. The current tends to just become a means to the future. It becomes a ladder that gets us to where we're going in the next stage of our lives. And I know this to be true because of the things that I hear said. Um, you know, oh, I just can't wait till I get a real job. Or, oh my gosh, I don't want to take this test. I don't want to take another test in my life. I want to just be done with school. I'd rather be, I'd rather be homeless than be in school right now. And I know it sounds crazy, but I've, I've heard people, obviously they're stressed about the test, but they say these things. They say, I don't want to be a student any longer. I just want to be this next thing. Or if we looked at it from David, he would say, I just want to sit on the throne. A lot of times in our lives, we tend to view the next thing you know, our careers or this next position in our lives as God's calling for what, for what our lives should be. That I will only walk according to his will if I am serving him in this position. We tend to think that since we are in the field, since we are with the sheep, that we are not called. And our friend William Booth has something to say about that. Sorry. He says, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their sisters and brothers and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. If you, if you profess the name of Christ, then you have been called. If you, have, if you are not called, then you are not a follower of Christ. There is no way to get around this. Being a follower of Christ is synonymous with being called. It doesn't matter if you don't feel as if you are, and it doesn't matter if you don't think that you are. Feelings and thoughts do not determine your situation. They do not determine the reality that you have been called. 
And yes, it is true that you will not always be sitting in these seats, but you will go on and you will to graduate and pursue careers and families and other things that go along with growing up and getting older, two phrases I don't like to hear. Um, but these things will happen, and both situations can be God's calling for your life. The throne and the sheep are both positions that David had to fill. Jesus had to be a carpenter, and he also had to die on a cross. And I believe that the general calling of the life of each Christian is twofold, and that William Booth mentions it above. And the two things are simply this, that we would know God as intimately and as passionately as we can in this life so that we can fully enjoy him in the next. And also that we will call our brothers and our sisters to come join us in this fight, that we would have people come to know Jesus in the same manner that we claim to know Jesus. And uh, there's a, another verse um, that I want to, it's not, oh, it's not that, sorry. Uh, I didn't actually, it's not up there, that's okay. Um, it's Mark 2.17. And it says this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And the reason, the reason I chose this verse and only this verse is because it's one of the verses that actually says the word call. But if you read the Bible, you see it all over, that God is calling us to him, he's calling us to himself, and he is also calling us to bring others to him. And don't just take my word for it. Don't just say, um, yeah, like, that sounds good, Jeff, but, you know, I believe you. Like, that's, that's true. But go and read the Bible yourself. Go and find these things to be true, not because I've said them, but because you've read them. And I also want to say, you cannot, you cannot sit on the throne while you are tending the sheep. It doesn't matter what position you are in, you are called to these two things. You are called to these things, to, to enjoy Christ and to bring others into community with him. If God puts you in a position to do something else, great, amen. But it doesn't negate this calling of God on your life. Just because you are in this position that God has put you in, it doesn't mean you get to say, okay, I need to do this now and this only. And those other two things that you called me to, since I've, since I've called, your, called upon your name, I'm okay with not doing that. That is not the case. You may be called to something else, but you are still called to these two things, and nothing will change that. God's timing in the life of David was not a mistake. It took him at least 15 years, 15 to 22 years, before he would assume the throne. And there are many things in that time that David did that would prepare him fully to sit on the throne that he would one day inherit. And if the field, if being with the sheep was within 
David's calling, and the throne was also within David's calling, then it's right to assume that David's calling in the in-between time was also the things that he did. The parts of his life that led him to assume the throne had to also be done in the right way by David. So whatever the sheep are in your life or whatever this in-between time may be, you still must walk according to the call of God on your life, on the call, the call of God on the life of a Christian. And David, David was faithful with the sheep. David walked according to God's call on his life when he was with the sheep. And he didn't neglect any future responsibilities that he was given after. And therefore, because of that, he inherited the kingdom of Israel. And we are to do the same. If we are faithful with our sheep and whatever comes in between, if we are faithful to fulfill God's calling in our lives, no matter where we are, no matter what position we are in, then we will also inherit a kingdom. We, it's not the kingdom of Israel. It's a little bit different, a little bit better. Um, it's the kingdom of heaven. If we are faithful to fulfill the call of God on our lives, then we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And that's, that's it. Like The calling on our lives is to know God and to help it so that others come to know him. And like I said, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. These two things will always be true. If you are a Christian, then you are to go out and you are to do these things. And I want to share one more passage. It is on the screen this time. Um, Romans 8, 16 through 18. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing the glory that is to be revealed to us. Um, the band can start making their way back up. We cannot simply ignore our position, whatever it may be, and just wait for our future glorification to come. If, we're, if we are constantly striving to reach that, and to reach for the throne, then you will not tend the sheep in your life very well, or you will not tend them at all. The future glory that we are to receive with Christ comes with a requirement. In verse 17, he says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. We have to work alongside Jesus. We have to fulfill the calling of God 
in our everyday lives, in the mundane. Jesus Christ made furniture. David tended sheep. You cannot tell me that whatever you are doing in your life, no matter how boring or mundane, mundane it may seem, that it is pointless. Everything that you are doing has purpose. And what you do with your position is what matters. Not how much you complain about it or how much you don't want to be in it and just say, this, this isn't right. This isn't for me. It matters how you fulfill the call of God to know him and to bring others to know him. That is what matters. And we must put in that work. We must put forth that effort in order to receive the glory with Jesus. When we receive it, it'll be well worth everything that we've put in to get there. But we cannot, and I cannot stress this enough, we cannot always think this isn't where I should be and then just neglect everything around us because what's coming is so much better. Um, that is, that's not what Christ is telling us to do. That's not what Christ did, and that's not what David did. Neither point in this story do we see that they just wait around. They are doing what they have been called to do, their position in life, they are doing that to the best of their ability so that when their future glorification comes, they will be ready to receive it. If we are faithful with our sheep, if we are faithful with what God has given us, then we too will inherit the kingdom of God. And I just want to say, if you, are, if you are in this room today, and if you do not profess the name of Christ, then I want you to go home or talk to the person that came with you, or that you came with, I should say, and just, and just talk to them and just tell them, if you're ready to make this decision, then just, just meet with them and just, just talk through things. Um, or if you do profess the name of Christ, but you are not living up to the call of God in your life, then during, during the response time, during the worship, I want you to just, I want you to think to yourself and be honest and say, am I fulfilling this? Or are you constantly striving to just get that next thing and that is what you think is more important than the call of God on your life currently? And if that's the case, then get right with God. He's always there. He never, he never leaves. It's just us who strays. So I just want you to, I just want you to do that tonight. And I'm going to pray um, for you all now. God, just thank you for who you are and thank you that we can always come to you in no matter what state we're in. That God, you don't, you don't care how far we've gone, that we can always come back. And God, God, just thank you for the sacrifice that you gave us of Jesus Christ so that we can come to know you. And God, I just pray today that you just reveal in us if we are living according to this call that you have placed on our lives.
And God, if we are not, I pray that you help us to just be honest enough with ourselves that we can realize this and that we can come back to you. And God, I just pray that you give us, you give us peace as we go um, as we go into these next few stressful weeks of finals um, and everything else that comes with this semester closing. And you just, you help, you help us to see that you are the one that's guiding our steps and you are the one that we can call upon whenever we know that we can't do this thing by, by ourselves. So God, just thank you for who you are and thank you that you, that you are close even if we are not.